Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Welcome back to our wonderful listeners. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about fitness in pregnancy and postpartum, a pretty hot topic that I know a lot of moms are like curious about, you know, what can I do? What should I do? What shouldn't I do? Um, you know, we're going to really uh, dive into this conversation. So my guest today is Brittany. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I guess, uh, you know, I most people um, who have listened to my podcast know that I always start off with this question, which is really, you know, tell us a little bit about you and this will help kind of build uh, the context for our conversation today. Sure. Um, so I grew up as an athlete. My dad was a college basketball coach. So sports were kind of always part of my life. I was a collegiate volleyball player. And um, after I graduated from college, I coached for about four years um, and during that time it was, it was high school sports. It was in college sports. And then I went on to get further certification as a strength and conditioning specialist. Um, and my intention getting that certification was to work with college athletes. And, um, as I got further, um, credits, continuing education, I decided to take um, a pregnancy and postpartum CEU, just because I was like, I'll be working with female athletes. It's probably good stuff to know. Um, but as I took this course, I was like, I don't know any of this. <laughs> like I have never heard of half of this stuff. And I thought if I myself as a pretty high level athlete, haven't heard of a lot of this stuff, then the average woman that's just trying to live a fit, healthy life probably doesn't know either. So at that point, I kind of pivoted and I actually became certified as a pregnancy and postpartum um, fitness instructor and continued to educate myself on all things pregnancy and postpartum. And um, so that's kind of where I started my journey with um, my own business and helping moms get fit and healthy during pregnancy and postpartum. Awesome. Thank you for kind of sharing the the journey. I guess um, one of the things that kind of just makes me a little bit curious is um, what 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 were some of the things that like you were learning about that you were like, why don't I know this now? Now I'm like really curious, like what are these things that, you know, that nobody else knows? Um, oh, I think the main one that stands out to me is all the stuff about the pelvic floor and how much it plays such a huge role in women's health in general. I can't say that I really ever learned that much about the pelvic floor in any of my classes all throughout school. And again, even as an athlete, you know, I was instructed a lot on how to work out and how to lift and all of this stuff, but incorporating my pelvic floor and breathing strategies was never really a thing. 
Um, so that was kind of eye-opening to me to understand how much that impacted and especially in pregnancy and postpartum, um, how that can become pretty dysfunctional and how there's a lot of things that can be done to help heal any kinds of dysfunction that come with the pelvic floor during the perinatal period. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting because uh, a lot of the common myths around, like, for example, incontinence is like, oh, that only happens to women who are older. Oh, that only happens to women who have children. Um, in fact, um, there's quite a bit of research out there showing that even young girls, especially super high level fitness um, athletes actually experience leakage because of the major demands that their exercises require. Like, um, so some of the sports that were listed is like gymnastics, mm-hmm. um, trampoline, uh, yeah. high level dancing, even swimmers, um, they show that um, experience uh, leakage. So imagine you're, you know, in your teen years and you're super athletic and then you're wondering like, what is happening? Yes. You know, and so you're, you know, you're going to the doctor and you're like, okay, like what's, what's sort of happening here? And nobody's really, you know, talking about like, you have a group of muscles Mm -hmm. that sits at the base of your pelvis and its job is to support you with movement. Its job is to hold your pee poop and gas in, (laughs) you know, and so, you know, it's even more like it's like, whoa, but I'm super, super fit. Like, why wouldn't these muscles um, be supporting me? And you're right. Some of it could be breathing strategy because, you know, if I'm an Olympic lifter Mm -hmm. and I'm lifting super heavy weight, I I don't do Olympic lifting, but I imagine that one of the strategies to get that initial lift would be to hold your breath, Mm -hmm. to give you that like postural support. But in so doing, you know, you're increasing intra-abdominal pressure. Exactly. And if your pelvic floor, d- you don't know what to do, right? Like right. you yep. may have a leak. So you're absolutely correct. Like it's not being talked about and yeah. it should be, especially yes. in high level athletes, never mind, you know, <laughs> you know, pregnancy and, and postpartum that, right. that has its own set of, uh, set of challenges. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah there's just so much that um, I want moms to know about how their body works. So if they can have a better understanding of what's going on in their own bodies, they can be better advocates for themselves when they're out getting care during the perinatal period. Yeah. So let's, let's talk. So now pivoting from like high level athlete, um, you know, care, let's, let's talk about to, let's talk about exercising during pregnancy. Um, you know, should women be doing it? And like, are there any specific considerations that you think about or they should think about when exercising during this period? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Contrary to a lot of, again, myths that surround fitness during postpartum, just like you talked about myths with um, incontinence and stuff like that. um, Fitness is very, very good for you during pregnancy, barring any kind of contraindication, any health issue that would prevent you from exercising. It's very good for you, both you and the baby. Um, And even if you've never exercised before, it's not dangerous to start exercising during pregnancy, um, especially with lighter types of fitness, like 
walking or cycling or swimming and light resistance training. Um, that's all low impact and can be monitored pretty easily. And you can listen to how your body feels. Um, one thing I use a lot with pregnant women um, in fitness is what we call a rate of perceived exertion or RPE. And um, there's a scale from one to 10 that I have women kind of monitor how they feel. If you've ever heard of a talk test, um, if you're exercising and you can still talk, um, that's around a six or a seven. If we're getting into eight, nines and tens, you're getting into, I'm having trouble getting out a full sentence or I can't speak at all. That's probably too much effort in the pregnancy and pregnancy realm as far as fitness goes. So we kind of try to stick around the six to eights. You can still get out full sentences or most of a sentence. Um, so we're getting your heart rate up. We're getting those cardiovascular benefits and those strength benefits, but we're not putting you in a danger range while you're working too hard. Yeah, that's, that's great that you shared kind of the scale that, that you use. Cause I'm just thinking, you know, also like there may be women who, um, you know, may not have access to, uh, you know, somebody to work with. Um, so it kind of just gives them a bit of a guideline, like, um, you know, obviously, you know, disclaimer, like make sure you're talking with your OB midwives, like your actual healthcare provider to make sure that there is no contraindication. Um, you know, like, especially if there's some, you know, if there's anything going on with the placenta or, you know, you're experiencing bleeding or like something doesn't feel right. Like those are things you really, like you really should discuss with your medical provider. If there's any reason you should not be doing any kind of exercise, if, if they've kind of given you a clearance, like that's, that's great. You know, and that kind of gives, um, a nice, um, idea of like how much effort to use. And like, I'll usually say to ladies, like who are super fit, um, you know, for them to sort of continue with their exercise routine, except probably modify like the amount of weights, um, you know, or the intensity to like be again, listening to to the body um but for somebody who's never exercised probably you know like starting to do like trying to do you know deadlifts or like some major machines like probably isn't the best idea right right? like because you're not used to exercise and now you have pregnancy hormones on top of that so you know there is a higher risk of injury so like if you've never exercised ever Mm -hmm. you know things like walking or like indoor cycling or swimming probably is a great place right. to start and, yeah. and like some light, very light resistance, maybe some like resistant band, mm-hmm. um, you know, exercises. Right. But if you're like already super fit, then making the modification to listen to your body. Correct. Yeah. And especially as you progress through pregnancy for someone who is very fit, um, teaching them how to listen. Um, cause there can be that, um, if you are very athletic or you've done a lot of athletic pursuits throughout your life, you don't want to stop. You feel like you're going to lose your gains or you're going to lose your ability to do stuff. Um, so kind of tempering that mindset and realizing you're in a different stage of life um, and having, you know, we'll probably talk about this a little bit later, but the risk versus reward conversation, like, can I do it? Maybe, but should I do it? Maybe not. <laughs> um, so really learning to listen to what's best for your body, for your pelvic health, um, and kind of tempering that as you move through pregnancy. 
I'm curious, what are, you know, when you say teaching your clients about listening to the body, what might be some things you might have them paying attention to, or like, what are, what are some cues that you sort of give people to consider? Yeah. Um, well, you talked a few minutes ago about intra-abdominal pressure. So I try to really help them learn how to feel where that pressure is going. Women have several different tendencies. One of them is to bear down. That's usually when you're holding your breath. It's the and all of that pressure goes down into your pelvic floor. Um, some people tend to put all their pressure straight out through their midline, which um, again, as you progress through pregnancy can really exacerbate things like a diastasis, or if you are postpartum, putting all that pressure on a system that was just very strained is not very helpful. Um, so learning to figure out where your pressure is going and learning to feel that yourself so that you can correct it yourself, even if I'm not around. <laughs> um, that's one of the things that I really focus on um, with women working all throughout pregnancy. Um, I try to, especially as you get later in pregnancy, I limit a lot of overhead movements, um, single arms. Okay. Um, generally speaking, but I try to limit both arms overhead. It's hard to keep your rib cage down. It's hard to balance that pressure when both hands are overhead. Um, but it just depends on the woman. Um, there's a lot of factors. I try not to say, never this or never that, or always this or always that. Um, but we kind of play by ear as we go along and learn to listen to how we feel. If there's pain, obviously that's a immediate stop, um, to reevaluate maybe the approach to the exercise. Could we do it differently to maybe, you know, if you're splitting, uh, doing a split squat or a lunge and that causes some pelvic pain, maybe we need to put the back foot up against a wall. Maybe we need to eliminate single leg movements for now because of where you're at in pregnancy and the pelvic pain that you're experiencing. Um, maybe you need to see a pelvic floor physical therapist. Maybe that's an indication of something going on that we need to figure out. Um, so just kind of learning to listen to how we feel and dealing with it appropriately. And I would add to that, you know, being the pelvic floor physio, right. um, leakage too, right? Like if you're actually leaking, mm -hmm. um, because it is, it is something that does, that can happen during the second and third trimesters that, that mm -hmm. can start happening, which is then, you know, you're carrying extra fluid, um, you're carrying extra weight, you're carrying a baby that might be putting pressure on the bladder um, that may just be greater than, you know, where your current level of strength is with your pelvic floor. Um, so that's, you know, those are good indicators like, hey, maybe I should maybe I should see a pelvic floor physio and just see kind of what's happening there. Again, it could be yeah. an issue with, um, well, it could be a number of things. Could be holding the breath, not managing the pressure. Could be that the weight is too heavy. Yeah. Um, it could just be that the pelvic floor is weak. And so those yeah. are things we want to uh, take a look at. And I agree with you with respect to like um, lunges or like um, asymmetrical yeah. movements. Sometimes that can cause pelvic girdle uh, pains, whether it's either in the front of the pubic bone or like in the back. Mm -hmm. There's some really great uh, specific exercises to help specifically with that. Um, so that would be an indicator, I would say, for physio for physiotherapy as well, because you, you, that, that can be addressed. Um, yeah. And then those exercises can be incorporated with your trainer. Right. 
right? Absolutely. And that this is kind of like a sidebar point, but that's what is so great about what I do and what you do is because it really works hand in hand. Like what you do is not in my scope, right? I am, I am not a physical therapist. I can't assess internal problems or skeletal problems or anything like that, but you can, and you know, corrective exercises, you can assign those properly and as they should be done. And I can help you carry those out practically. Um, and we can kind of work in our own scopes to provide a woman with the best possible care. Uh, agreed. Right. And if there is an issue, then utilizing both like the fitness aspect, but the restorative um, exactly. exercise aspect, because, you know, sometimes it's hard when you're like working out on your own, but if you have somebody you're working with um, and, you know, even if your like PT doesn't know the trainer you're working with, like make the introduction via email. Cause I'm pretty sure in most cases, the two will be willing to like chat with each other about that. Right. So absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So and just, yeah, I mean, we, my thing with, especially postpartum care, but really perinatal care as a whole is to take care of the mom. Everybody's very concerned about the baby as they should be. And there's lots of checkups for the baby and different appointments for the baby. So I want the mom to feel just as cared for that. She has just as many people on her side, just as many different aspects of her health that are being cared for so that she heals and is restored properly as well. Yeah, absolutely. So just note to self, if they don't know each other, make, you know, make, make the intro, obviously ask permission and, you know, make sure that they want to talk to each other. But if, if the answer is yes, that can be really, really helpful in terms of, like you said, that, that um, kind of continuity and like everybody's kind of on the same page um, yeah. with thinking about the health of the mom. Um, and, and I guess the only thing I was going to add to what you've sort of been saying um is that fitness during pregnancy, like they've been showing has positive benefits for labor, right? Because if you think about it, it is a pretty physically labor intensive experience, right? Like, um, and the, you know, if you have more fitness, right, your cardiovascular system, like your, the way your heart beats, like your um, endurance and strength to like, stay with the laboring process is going to be experienced more, I guess, a little more easily than somebody who's um, under conditioned, right? Everything's just going to be more effortful. You're going to get more tired quickly. Um, So we do know that, you know, more fitness, better, better, usually a better laboring. Right. Experience. Absolutely. Yeah. I have, I have clients who had babies before they met me and then worked with me during other pregnancies and have told me it's like night and day difference almost between having some kind of conditioning and not. Yeah, exactly. Of course, safety being the number one key. Okay. So let's, I want to transition now to talk about, you know, postpartum. Okay. Uh, you know, both you and I are aware of like that six week, you know, 
checkup with your, you know, with your OB or with your midwife, um, you know, you get the clearance, you get the green light, like everybody's like, hey, everything's looking really good. You know, you're, if there's any scars, like all of that's healed, you know, we don't, it doesn't sound like we have any concerns with respect to like the birthing process. Um, and they'll say, okay, you got the green light to exercise. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is very, uh, misleading to be honest <laughs> um it's uh again talking about scopes doctors are speaking for what is their own scope like what you just referenced they're not fitness professionals they're not physical therapists so they can't necessarily always speak to everything that's going on still in your body as a postpartum woman um so while you get the green light um a lot of women just okay i'm gonna jump into a boot camp or i'm gonna start running five miles every day because i've got to lose this baby weight or whatever it is that they or they want time to themselves whatever it is um but that honestly is not the best approach to postpartum. Um, I like to compare it to um, having some kind of major surgery. Say that you tore your ACL and you're going to have surgery six weeks after having ACL reconstructive surgery. You're not going to be thinking that you're going to be out running marathons. And the same is true of a delivery, whether you have a vaginal delivery or a C-section, it's a traumatic event on your body. And there's no reason to expect that six weeks after said event, you're just ready to jump back into everything. Fitness, sex life, life in general, um, we've got to have time to heal. That's the most important thing. We've got to heal. We've got to reconnect your mind to your body. Um, and have a really progressive measured return to fitness. That's, that's absolutely correct. Um, from the sense of like your physician or midwife, right. Is saying, okay, like from our perspective, based on everything that we, we know, um, yeah, you, you can start getting back to those activities. Right. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you go full tilt, right? Um, it means like, yes, you can begin to like move around a little bit more and like go for walks and like, you know, start maybe doing more things than what you were doing in that early, you know, postpartum six weeks. But we know that like the fourth trimester, right? Well, it should be a, there should be a fourth trimester, right? Right. 12 weeks yep. um, postpartum to really allow, you know, again, deeper healing or just restoration, right? Mm -hmm. Allowing the body to begin to make its adjustments. I mean, it took nine months yeah. to make all the little adjustments, like all those tissues had to stretch, those mm -hmm. ligaments had to stretch, you know your organs moved around to make space for the growing uterus and growing baby, mm -hmm. um, you know, like your hips and your pelvis have made changes for yeah. like that birthing. Um, and even if you've had a C-section, all those changes are still kind of happening minus, um, you know, maybe not having the stretching associated with the vaginal canal, but you're, right. you're getting over a surgical, a major surgical procedure. Yeah. Um, to get baby out. Right. And I, and yeah, you're right. Like if you've had an ACL or like, even if you broke your ankle mm -hmm. and you've been in a cast for six weeks, right. Mm -hmm. You're not, you know, like they're going to give you clearance 
to go yeah. to, to do PT and start exercise. Yeah. But it's going to be very graded, right? Like first, yeah. like, let's just restore movement, mm-hmm. right? Everything's going to be stiff. Things are going to be different. Like, let's just get you moving. Then we can, you know, start activating muscles in mm-hmm. a isometric or like in a really low key kind of way. And then, you know, then we go into bigger strengthening. Then we go into sports specific training and like everything right. kind of like builds like a foundation, right? You want to start with a good solid foundation um, right. and then build on top of that. So, right. right. It is a little bit of a misnomer mm-hmm. when they say like full green light, Um it means, yes, reach out to your, you know, reach out to a fitness specialist, like, you know, start figuring out like where your body is at and then like building from there. Otherwise it can lead to injury pain um, and then pelvic floor dysfunction. Exactly. And I think I encourage all, obviously I can't force anyone to do anything, but I encourage all of my clients to see a pelvic floor physical therapist right off the bat if they're going to start working with me, because there are so many things that you can see and assess that I should be taking into consideration when working with a client to give them again, that best well-rounded care so that they can have the most successful recovery postpartum that they can. Absolutely. I want to talk about something that is really kind of rampant in like culture and society and certainly social media. And that's the idea of the bounce back or the bouncing back. Yes. Right. You see it on the fitness side. I see it on the PT side. Um, Why is it, you know, why is it important that we talk about this? Oh, it's, it's so, so important to address the bounce back mentality because it is so pervasive. Like you've said, it's all over social media. It's a very, it's like a societal standard almost. We have to bounce back after pregnancy. Um, and really when I, when I address this with my clients, it's a lot about mindset. We've got to shift from societal expectations and what we see everybody else doing or not doing and focus on ourselves and our health, our own health, our own recovery journey, and kind of stay in our lane. Like, and keeping in mind that a lot of what we see on social media is not accurate information. (laughs) So a lot of these, you know, fitness people that you see bouncing back or moms that you see bouncing back, quote unquote, um, it's, it's not reality and stuff that they do isn't going to be healthy and it's not going to be best for anyone across the board. So, um, a lot of things in recovery postpartum, some stuff honestly comes down to genetics. What happens to one woman isn't going to happen to you because you have a different genetic structure. She's able to do things sooner postpartum than you are. And that's okay. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing problematic about your journey to recovery. That's just where you're at. Um, So I really try to address that with all of my clients and um, you don't need to bounce back from anything. (laughs) You need to heal again. That's most important. You need to heal. And then we need to assess any potential difficulties or problems that there might be um, PT wise And then we'll just move forward with your journey and however fast it takes you or long it takes you fine. We'll deal with each step as it comes. 
totally agree. And I think, you know, with, with social media is that we get like the person posting gets to pick and choose what they post. Right. And how they post it. I mean, you know, let, let's be honest, like I'll take like 10 photos and then I'll decide which one's the best before I post it. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, we all experience some really good days. Like there are some days where like, I feel really strong and fit and feel really, really good. And that kind of comes out in the photos that I'm taking. And then there are other days where I don't feel so great. I'm run down. I haven't slept for four days. My, you know, maybe I'm a little bloated. Like there could be so many different things, um, that impacts how my body looks and feels. Mm -hmm. Um, and all the, you know, not so pleasant days may not necessarily be posted, right? right? There are certainly women out there, um, you know, that I follow who very much so post, their postpartum bodies and like try to normalize normal bodies. Um, and what I, and I like how you said that, like some will recover quickly, some will recover slowly and all of it is normal. Mm -hmm. Right. Like if we think about, and I, I could never understand this at the time when I was like learning economics. Um, but it's been brought back to me in a great book that I'm reading about female sexuality, um, like the standard deviation, right? Like most people, let's say like 60% of people are going to fall kind of somewhere in the middle, mm-hmm. right? Then there's going to be like the 15, 20% on either end. Yep. And all of it is normal. Yes. And, and that was such a, that was such a really nice thing to hear like this PhD author, you know, I mean, she's talking about it in the context of human sexuality and like how women's sexuality goes from like, I don't want to ever have it to, I want to have it all the time. And the shame that people feel and they're like, am I broken? Like, is there something wrong with me? Why isn't it? Why am I not like everybody else? And then you feel that there's something like wrong with you or that you're defective in some way. And the answer is you're not right. right? Like there's a normal, like you're normal. You just happen to fall on that spectrum where things take a little bit longer for your body Um, versus some people goes like so fast. You're like, how did that even happen? And then you got like most people in the middle, all of which is normal. Absolutely. I and agree some, 100%. yeah. And something can be done. There's always something that you can do to work toward a goal um, and work toward a way that you feel really good about yourself. Right. Comparison is the thief of joy. Absolutely. Yes. That's right. It. And it's, and it certainly is true when it comes to fitness and like right. what you look like postpartum. Yep. Yeah, definitely. You can't compare your journey to anyone else's. Yeah. You, you take your baseline and you go, all right, my goal, like, you know, if your weight is X and you want to be sort of X, as long as it's like reasonable and healthy enough for you to do that, there's still a way to get there. Yes. But how you get there and how quickly you get there is going to be completely different than somebody else. Right. Yes. Focusing on that personal journey. So I, I, I really like that. Yeah. This kind of segues into kind of the next important conversation that we should have, because, you know, if we have that, if there is that sort of bouncing back mentality, you know, and feeling like, 
oh, I'm not doing as good as everybody else. Like that can lead to some mental health, you know, it, it could be one aspect that leads to some mental health concerns, never mind like hormonal and other like factors that may be leading to this. Do you like, do you, what do you look for in your clients that might like be showing signs of like mental health? Cause like, it's really important for us to be talking about mental health postpartum. Yes, definitely. I think probably postpartum depression is much more widespread than even we measure (laughs) normally. Um, One of the things that I look for a lot um, is negative self-talk, which is a lot of women feel kind of the baby blues, um, which is a little bit less severe than actual full on postpartum depression. Um, but a lot of that's where a lot of the indicators start is a lot of negative self-talk. Um, I look for disinterest in the baby or in parenthood in general, um, because that can be more of a sign of kind of worsening depression, um, really severe irritability or anxiety. Um, and obviously things like self-harm, talking about self-harm or harming the baby, that's, those are kind of flashing red lights. Um, but there are a lot of things that even conversationally, like when I started talking about the negative self-talk that you can pick up just in, you know, general conversation with the mom when she comes to see me, um, that stuff will start to get sprinkled into normal conversation. Um, and at that point, you know, in, in keeping with trying to provide really well-rounded care, um, I, I will generally say, Hey, if you've, you know, having some feelings, feeling overwhelmed, feeling anxious, or some negative emotions about yourself or baby, I know this, um, therapist, she's really great with postpartum issues and she'd be happy to talk with you if you, if you get a chance to meet with her. So, um, it's definitely something that I look for and I, I want to help with as much as possible, as much as the mom's open to it. Yeah. I think it's, um, I think that's one of the things that can be helpful with somebody who trains in that realm is that you just become more aware of things to look for, right. Um, to be like, Hey, you know, maybe you should, you know, it sounds like you're feeling really overwhelmed. Like there's a lot of change, you know, uh, sometimes it can be just helpful talking with somebody yeah, to like work through that or say, or, you know, certainly at least we're, you know, saying, you know, it might be good to have a conversation with, with your doctor, like just let them know like how hard it's been, um, you know, but it's that, it, you know, it at least gets the acknowledgement and the conversation kind of going, um, you know, and it's due diligence on our part to like right. say, hey, you know, might, might be helpful just to have a conversation around, you know, yeah. around that, you know. Yeah. And I think too, um, which is a really unfortunate thing, there's a stigma that comes with those feelings, right? It's kind of a downward spiral. You start to feel negatively about yourself or about the baby. And then you're like, oh, I shouldn't feel this way. And then you feel worse. And, um, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with those feelings for some women. It's just part and parcel with postpartum and there, there shouldn't be any shame, um, associated with having postpartum depression. Um, it's, it's just 
a problem that needs to be addressed. And there are plenty of people that are happy to help you with that journey. But I, I really try to take away that embarrassment or guilt or shame um, from that conversation with the, with the client, the woman, whoever it is, because I, I don't want her to feel embarrassed or shamed um, for having those thoughts or feelings. Uh, yeah, I absolutely um, agree with that. Like, I love, I love psychologists and psychotherapists. Like, I love therapists. I think what they do is so awesome. And like, you know, even just looking at it, like you get this individual who you can talk to about things that are going on, like things that you're thinking about, who's completely objective, right? Because like, sure, you could talk to your friends and you could talk to your mom and like, you certainly should talk to your friends and talk to your mom and like talk to your partner, like obviously open communication. But sometimes it can be, really challenging because of that perceived, like they might judge me or they, you know, they, I'm, they, you know, they might think something negatively about me because I'm thinking about something. And so you're right. It can get into that tricky negative loop where like, I shouldn't be thinking about this. And it's like, you know, there may be a reason why you're thinking that way that you may not be aware of. That's like kind of outside of your kind of control. Um, So it doesn't make you defective or broken or like any of those things. Um, You know, it's just important to talk to somebody about it that can be objective where you can actually say, these are the thoughts that I'm having in my head. Like, I don't know what to do when they come. Um, and there may be some really simple solutions. I mean, of course, sometimes medications are needed, um, you know, but I think they're, I think like we've put a stigma on mental health and we put a stigma on mental health care practitioners like, oh, I don't need a shrink. And it's like, nobody's, you know, so you got, you know, um, certainly you have, I'm trying to think of the word, you know, you got the shrinks, you got the psychologist, you got the psychotherapist, you've got your mental health, you've got your counselors. They're all very different um, and similar professions. Mm -hmm. Um, There's nothing wrong with seeing one. No. And I think they're super cool. And they're like super cool about the stuff that they learn. But but I'm also a neuro, like neuroscience kind of geek. So I like that kind of stuff. And I read all that kind of stuff anyways, um, just because I find it interesting. But like, honestly, like, I just kind of look at them like a friend that like has no stake in your life that you could just completely and utterly unload your problems to like, absolutely. you just get to unload freely. Yeah. Yeah. And not just unload, but get helpful feedback yeah. on how to move forward. Um, I myself am in therapy on a weekly basis. I have a therapist that I see every week and you know, I, I look forward to it because I know I have an outlet for a lot of how I feel things that, like you said, I might not want to talk about with family or friends. And not only do I get to express all of that, I also get help, um, on how to reframe and how to move forward successfully. A hundred percent. Like, you know, I think, uh, cause I've done the same like a therapist for the therapist. Like we as therapists have (laughs) things like we're listening to, you know, we're trying to help people. The people are coming with problems and we have our own problems. So we're solving other people's problems while trying to solve our own problems. And right. Like we all hit certain points in our life where there's overwhelm. Yeah. I mean, the pandemic is a perfect example of many people all at once, all at the same time, feeling completely and utterly overwhelmed and very uncertain about the future. Like 
there's nothing wrong with you for feeling overwhelmed. Like it right. is overwhelming. You have a brand new baby. You're yeah. not sleeping. You can barely get enough time to have a shower. Maybe you had a shower three weeks ago and you're like, man, exactly. I smell. you know what I mean? Like those are real things and they may seem trivial to complain about, but like the therapist it doesn't care how trivial it is. They're there to listen and you get to complain without right. feeling like you're being judged for complaining about what seems to be trivial things that have all added up right. into this like really big thing. That's yeah. like the overwhelm of a life-changing event. Exactly. Yeah. Agree. Okay. Um, now, so anyways, I felt it was important that we kind of talk about that piece and normalize it. Um, let, let's kind of loop back to, you know, talking, um, you know, talking about, you know, fitness. Um, I want to talk about like, okay, so how do you set goals? Like, how do you do goal setting? What does that piece look like? Sure. Um, obviously, with most moms, as we kind of talked about with the bounce back mentality, most moms that come to me have some kind of aesthetic goal. Either it's a certain amount of weight they want to lose or a certain way they want to look. Um, so I try not to ignore that completely because that's a reality for them. That's something that's a goal for them. Um, but I also try to have them set goals that aren't aesthetic. So um, maybe you want to be able to carry your baby in a carrier and walk a mile in your neighborhood without having to stop and sit down. Maybe you want to go up and down your stairs without having to catch your breath at the top of the stairs when you go. Maybe you want to be able to carry your groceries in, you know, without having to make a bunch of different trips because you can only carry so many bags at once. You know, whatever it is, um, there are a bunch of different ways that you can set goals that aren't aesthetic that you'll actually find very encouraging along the way. Oh my goodness. So sorry. Um, because that will help, that will help motivate you. Cause those are things that are probably more easily achievable than, you know, losing 30 pounds in the first four weeks. <laughs> okay. You'll probably be able to achieve non-aesthetic goals a lot quicker than the typical aesthetic goals that moms come to me. With. Yeah. And makes it functional. And it's something that is easily trackable. And whereas like making, you know, while well, losing weight is one way you could track it, but like, you know, wanting a certain shape to your body is a little more challenging and it's like a little more, it's like subtle and it happens over okay. longer periods of time right. uh, versus like, it's really easy for me to know if I'm improving, if I can make it up the stairs without huffing and puffing. Right. Which right. makes it, <laughs> like getting the small wins that builds the momentum. Um, but like starting off with like functional day-to-day -day things, I think is a really great way um, to keep that motivation going because it's going to take quite a bit of time to hit maybe a weight goal or an yes. aesthetic goal. Right, exactly. Any tips for like postmortem, po I can't speak English, postpartum <laughs> moms, like any tips that you've kind of like, find yourself saying often to postpartum women or yeah. any advice you'd give? Um, honestly, this is outside of just fitness, but the biggest advice I can give is to find a really solid support system. 
Um, and I'm not just talking about family, like being there to watch the baby or help you with stuff. I am talking about people like you having a physical therapist, having a doctor that you trust and feels like listens to you, having somebody that you can go to for your mental health, having a fitness coach that can help guide that recovery journey. Um, there are so, so many options available to moms postpartum and, you know, moms feel so isolated and like they don't have help when they need it. Like they don't have an outlet when they need it. Um, and, uh, usually there is someone that can help or an outlet that can help them. And I just want them to know all of the things that are available to help give them support and to help guide them through postpartum. And most of all, they're not alone. <laughs> There's a lot of support for them. Yeah. Um, I agree hundred percent, like having a team of healthcare providers that you can reach out to, um, really, really good. Um, you know, even like dietitians or like, you know, and cause sometimes or nutritionists, cause they'll oftentimes like, it's one thing to be like, you should eat healthy. And then it's like, how do I prepare this? How do I make this like quick and easy? You know, before right. I had lots of time to cook. Now I don't, you know, right. how do I do this? How, you know, um, and especially if you're looking for like a specific weight, Mm -hmm. kind of aesthetic goal, like diet might play an important part. And that's kind of hard with yeah. a new baby too. So even something like that included, you know, to, to be able to reach out and be like get, getting some good recipes or suggestions on like how to meal plan and things of that Absolutely. nature could be super helpful when mm -hmm. you're cognitively tired. Right. Like when you feel really good, sure. I can come up with my meal plans. I can do the prep. I can do all of that kind of stuff. Exactly. Um, but so, you know, but like when you're tired, everything is just more difficult. So even having somebody like come up with a meal plan that like is suited to you can like yeah. be a huge weight off the system. And like your spouse can like also help out with that. Cause now everybody knows what like the meals are and like what ingredients are needed. Right. Like absolutely try to find ways to make your life easy yes. in those early phases. Right. Yeah. And especially early postpartum, which this is something that was new to me within the past couple years, um, postpartum doulas can be an absolute lifesaver. <laughs> um, they can come stay, you know, they'll make meals, do laundry, wash the baby, let you take a shower in peace. Um, you know, even something seemingly small like that, there's support for that. If you just need rest, you need a day off, um, dietitian is a great one that I hadn't even thought of. So yeah, there's all kinds of support. Yeah. And like, how did I not remember postpartum doulas? I mean, <laughs> yes, these are, you know, these are amazing individuals who absolutely love babies, love supporting moms. And, you know, you can sit and discuss like what you need, right? Like it might be one hour once a week, where it's just like, you're going to have a bath and like read a book and like do something that's like self-care for you, which mm -hmm. is really important for recharging your batteries. Yep. Um, that then you can be more present for the things that you need to do, have the energy and like, again, also continue with meeting, you know, fitness goals. Cause that's right. like, you got to fit time in for that as well. So, you know, if you can hire somebody for an hour, like do 30 minutes of exercise and then have like a nice bath yeah. And then you're like, yeah, I feel really good. Right. <laughs> you're like a new person. <laughs> yeah. And then that obviously has mental health benefits as well. So yeah, absolutely. Like if you aren't sure, maybe you don't have as much um, support, like maybe see seeking somebody out in your local area that can, can support you for that. Yeah. Okay. 
I wanted to ask is where can people find you? Where can people follow you? Um, yeah. Um, so my business is called Mom Gets Moxie, M-O-X-I-E. Um, it's, I have a website where I post weekly articles, workouts, helpful tips. Most of what I write about has to do with fitness, obviously, because that's my scope. Um, so I do all kinds of different things. Sometimes I'll talk about modifications in pregnancy or early postpartum work or how to use dumbbells. Um, there's all kinds of different things on there. Um, so you can follow on the website or on Facebook or Instagram. They're both mom gets moxie. Um, so it makes it easy. It's kind of all the same across the board. <laughs> um, but I post all, all of those places on a regular basis. Um, so you can follow along there. Awesome. And in case people are like, wait, what was that? And I didn't write it down or I'm in the car. Ah, um, we will have the links posted in the show notes. Um, so you can find that in the podcast description. You can also find it at ecophysio.com forward, like forward slash blog. We also have a podcast tab. You can find her podcast and the descriptions are um, on both uh both um, tabs, either in the blog or the podcast tab. Um, so it makes it easy because then you can just like click through, you know, uh, from there or copy and paste. Um, yeah. Yep. I want to thank you very much for coming out and well, coming out via <laughs> virtually, um, <Right. laughs> taking time out of your day. It's a Monday. I'm having some difficulty with train of thought. Uh, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to come and, you know, chat with me about things that I, I feel like is really important um, for postpartum moms to know about and for ladies during pregnancy. So hopefully uh, people have gotten some good ideas and tips from our conversation today. I hope so. Thank you for having me. It's been really fun. Yeah. We want to always thank our listeners for joining us on a weekly basis. Um, if you want to stay up to date with the latest and greatest, uh, subscribe to the podcast. Um, there's a number of ways that you can access it in this way. It like just comes to your phone or comes via a notification and you'll know, you know, what the next topic is and you'll have access directly for that Um episode. And if you have any friends or family members that are pregnant or just had a baby, maybe share, because again, you never know what message a person might need to hear that like helps them move in the right direction. Um, so sharing an episode like this might be really helpful. Um, so do that. And we'll see you guys on the next, well, we won't see you, but we'll be glad that you're joining us on the next episode. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.